Good morning. I'm Toyota or Corolla, and I'm going to be reading the Bible, and we're reading from Genesis chapter 11. We're starting at verse 27, going through to 12, 9. Lots of names, so uh, be prepared for some interpretation. Genesis 11, verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Yer to the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Survey, who here is not a morning person? Stick your hand up. Excellent. Okay, that explains a few things. I'm a morning person, you probably picked that up as well. But anyway, uh, it's good we're here. If you have an electronic device um, uh, with a Bible on it or a Bible, uh, take it out and turn to that passage as we carefully look um, at that reading and uh, some of the things God might have to share this morning. But what I want to do, I want to ask you a question. Talk about this over a cuppa. Is there any part of your life that is not somehow uh, impacted or shaped or structured by a promise? You just think about it. Isn't it like all relationships start and are maintained through promise, aren't they? In, in some degree, spoken or unspoken. I mean, we're even born um, too young to understand on a promise that whoever's given us life will actually care for us, feed us, protect us, clothe us, aren't we? 
whether a relationship at a personal level, relationship um, with neighbours, with your local government or, or the governments, or like, it, it's it, they're all relationships, and the thing that make them relationships is this 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 scaffolding called promise. But you promised, you promised, you said you would. Now that is the stuff of growing up as a kid, isn't it? You know, Dad, Luke, Dad, you said you would. You said you'd take me out for ice cream. No, okay, right. But we, we get like, isn't it? That, that's the world we grow up in as kids. But our children are not alone in living in a world structured by promises and the expectations that are attached to them being f- fulfilled at some point in the future. We all know the highs and lows of a promise realised, but also the lows of a promise broken, of of uh, or, 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 or being forgotten. Isn't everything we say or do grounded in the expectation of promise? The Bible says we live in a universe created, sustained, and structured by a personal and purposeful God who makes and keeps promises. Have you ever stopped and thought about what a promise is? A promise is not a rule, is it? A promise is not a law. No, a promise is a gift freely given by the person making the promise. It's a personal undertaking that rests on the faithfulness and authority of whoever is making the promise, isn't it? Promises that are given and whether they're kept or not is, is an expression of a person's character. Faithful in that they will either do what they say or they won't. Uh, but also promises are given and believed on the understanding that whoever's making them has the authority or the power to actually make it happen. Only an all-powerful, personal and purposeful God can make promises. Energy cannot make promises. Prime matter cannot make promises. I want to suggest for those who are in relationship with people who are vocal uh, atheists or have that atheistic type mindset, uh, this is a great way uh, to engage them around a conversation. The whole idea of promise and relationship and life and what it is and it isn't. Faith or trust, isn't it? It's our normal, rational human response to promises made. Uh, The the whole concept of faith or trust is born out. It's the response to a promise maker making a promise, isn't it? Faith looks forward to promises being fulfilled in a future time. This is why the Christian life is summed up in the Bible as the life of faith. Because it never ceases to be just that. A life whereby each day we are called to trust in the one and true living God who has spoken and acted for us in his Son, Jesus Christ. In writing to Christians in Galatia, the Apostle Paul, he puts it like this, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Both the Old and the New Testaments, they hold up Abraham, as a supreme example of how we are to authentically live the life of faith in view of a 
of a world where the shadow of death is real, we all have a use-by date. In response to Jesus' first coming, his death, his resurrection, the reality that he reigns and at God's right hand that he's coming again. Jesus' apostle Paul, he writes this in Galatians 3.9. So then those of you who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. He's called the man of faith. He's held up as the man of faith in the New Testament. I love this part of the Old Testament. It's one of my favourite parts. So I was so excited when Luke said you were starting this series. And if you haven't already um, determined to do so, I really want to encourage you to use each week to read through that part of the Bible. So today will be Genesis 12 to 25 um, to read about the life and the story and God's dealings with Abraham. Genesis 12 to 25, it records the faith and failures of a man who just like us was a rough cut diamond of grace. A human being who needed to learn that God really, really is faithful. He really is trustworthy. That God will always super abundantly provide for those he has called, even without asking. And that he is astoundingly made covenant promises to human beings. Did it strike you though when you heard that reading uh, read out by our Toyota girl, our Corolla this morning, sorry, I, I heard it, I got it. Did it strike you that the call of Abraham begins not with Abram but with his father, Terah? Just have a look with me again there, just open up your electronic device or your, or your Bible. Um, this is the account of Terah, Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor Haran and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscar. Now, Sarah was barren. She had no children. I've got this map here, I think. Have I? Here we go. That's it. Beautiful. Um, this is a map of the ancient city of Ur. It was on the banks of the river Euphrates. Archaeologists discovered it in the 1920s. Uh, massive city, 200,000 plus residents. It was a political and economic powerhouse of the region, the leading centre of moon worship. As Joshua recounts to the people of Israel in chapter 24 of Joshua, he says this about Abraham and his family. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. Simple application point. God chose Abraham not because he was somehow more worthy of his call. Abraham was as far off from God as they come. He was part of a family of moon worshippers, no less. He was no different to anyone else of his day. And it's why... The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 that in Christ we were also chosen as Christians, predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. There's nothing about you or I that's made you special that God's thought, oh, I'm going to uh, uh, call you to be a Christian. It's just, why was Abram chosen? Why were we chosen? Not because we are more worthy, but because of God's undeserved mercy and grace as Paul writes in Ephesians 2 
By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Just like all his promises, everything we have from him is gift. Just like Noah, Moses, David and Jesus, so for Abram, this story that begins with his father Terah helps us understand that God was there long before, in advance, preparing Abram for service. So we read Genesis 11, uh, 31, 32, that Terah took his son. I don't know what's next. What is next? That Terah took his son Abram, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, the wife of his son, Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he, lived, he died in Haran. Now, the Bible tells us that God called Abram out of Ur. Yet here we are told it was Terah who took Abram, Lot, and Sarah out of Ur and set off for Canaan. You see... What we're getting a glimpse of here is like a good builder laying the foundations, like an astute coach preparing his protege, like a chess master moving all the pieces into place. So God was preparing Abram long before he called him. It just reminds us that there there is nothing going on in your life, no situation, no season, that God is not using to prepare us to either come to know Jesus or make us more like Jesus, to, pre- to prepare us for his service. This is highly nutritious for our faith. God's never going to waste a season or a situation to prepare us for what is around the corner. And I think Paul picks up on this at the end of chapter 2 of Ephesians, where he writes that we Christians are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I said, uh, I already shared a bit about the story of Dave and Margie uh, Wood um, and that, you know, that you speak to Dave, he looks back over, well, 40 years of his life and he can see, uh, you know, the corners, the crossroads, the, uh, the, the, at the time, insignificant things, how God has used everything in his life to prepare he and Margie for this time. And here they are, you know, yep, married, uh, four kids, six grandkids, leaving them to go and live in the middle of the desert in Cooper Pedy because of God's leading, a sense of call on their life that this is where God needs them to be to teach and tell people about Jesus. That second point, again, there's a bit of an outline in, your, in notes of where we're going. God's great intervention of grace. The Lord had said to Abram, the Lord had said to Abram, chapter 12, verse 1. There was no, <coughs> excuse me, Abram, I'm about to tell you something. Terror dies, bang, God is making these promises. The Lord had said to Abram, From this moment on, in the history of the universe, God's dealings with the cosmos are changed forever. This is massive. This is God setting the compass until Jesus returns and wraps things up. 
But you think, hang on a minute, what, Abraham? What, what, what? God chose Abraham again because he is the one God chose. Abraham didn't seek it out. God didn't ask Abraham's permission. Oh, actually, Abraham, would it be okay uh, if, if I made these promises to you? So, there's no forewarning here. This is an unasked for God intervention of phenomenal, relentless grace in the story of the human race simply because of who God is. A God of immeasurable love, of untappable mercy. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Of course, the opening uh, chapters of Genesis, Genesis 3 to 11, records God pronouncing his curse upon sin and sinners five times as evil spreads across the face of the earth in those chapters. God's original blessing in the garden that he gave to Adam and Eve is replaced with curse and living under his judgment outside of the garden. It's why in John chapter 3, Jesus says in verses 16 to 18 that the gospel comes to a humanity that are already under judgment. Everyone is already perishing. What I want us to notice here in these promises to Abraham is God pronouncing five blessings, five I wills that God's going to do for Abraham and through Abraham for people of all nations everywhere. And so God promises Abraham that he will become the very embodiment of Mr. Blessing, a living example of what it means to be blessed by God and through him a blessing to the nations. Abram and his offspring or seed will be the one through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed by God. Again, as the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. Abram leaves home, leaves family to go to the land God would show him. The Son of God left heaven to become human and live in the mess and the morass to be rejected utterly, to suffer and die for us. Abram received a great name and was a blessing to those who blessed him. Whoever united themselves to Abram came in and started to experience God's blessing. Those who left Abram's side, like Lot does, find themselves no longer under blessing. Christ, he's received the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. The seed, the one, the seed through Abraham is so, 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 so much greater. So much more a well of blessing than Abram could ever be. The very son of God. 
This is why Paul can write to Christians and say, Jesus is the one in whom we can have every spiritual blessing in this life while we await for his return. We can live knowing now that all of your sin, past, present and future, is forgiven. It's, it's, it's been dealt with. That you are and will always be a beloved, adopted child of God, safe in the arms of Jesus. That you can live now with the peace, the unshakable peace, that whenever God calls out that use by date that we all have, you will die and you will be welcomed by Jesus and you will be raised just like Jesus when he returns. Faith in God's word and the God of the word is not only how we begin to experience life and blessing with God, but how we are to continue. If you're here this morning and you think, oh, I'm not sure I have those blessings. You want to find out more, then please, please do not leave here this morning without speaking to Luke or someone. And do what, what Taylor did or Gemma did and say, hey, do you reckon we could meet up and go through one of those Explore Jesus courses? I, I don't think I've got this sorted out yet. How do we continue? The same way we begin, by faith. The life, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me, writes Paul. And so, that third point, hopefully. There we go. Um, spend the rest of our time learning uh, maybe some lessons from the man of faith. The first point is that obedience of faith, the obedience of faith. I reckon that'll be the next one. Here we go, the faith of obedience. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Now, I don't know how you respond to big news or big commands, we aren't told Abram's thoughts or feelings. We aren't told how he broke the news to his wife, Sarah. Well, I just imagine it. Oh, hey, darling, you never guess what happened to me today. <laughs> God, the Lord, he spoke to me. And he, he said, we have to go to this new place. Oh, really, dear? Can you show me the glossy brochure? Do they have good schools and health care? Look, are people friendly there? Uh, well, um, actually, you know, God didn't say exactly he wasn't big on the details um just that we should go and he would show us oh and the other thing i, I know you're barren and can't have kids but god said we'd be parents of a great nation now we aren't told any of this we're just told that abram went as god told him to go god spoke abram obeyed the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Leave your people, your culture, all that you know, leave your nuclear family as well and go. And all Abram had to go on was a naked word of promise. And so we read in these headlines in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 that by faith Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going have you ever hopped in the car and just started driving somewhere not knowing where you were going it's a bit it's what's sort of going on here 
But here's the shape or pattern of saving faith that is pleasing to God. It's trust that shows itself in humble, trusting obedience of God and his word. Biblical faith leaves behind whatever it needs to in order to cleave to God's word, trusting that God will make good on his promises. It's why God says that marriage, two people get married, it's a little bit like that. It sort of illustrates the gospel. Because to get married and to start a brand new family, both need to leave utterly behind and their allegiance has to be to the other for it to work, doesn't it? If you're struggling to know the joy of Jesus, the hum, if life is humdrum, uh, it's become an hour a week, c- could it be that you're more enmeshed in this world than you care to admit? Are there things maybe you need to hold less lightly to? To chase after with less vigour in order to turn more wholesomely to Jesus, your Lord and Saviour. Jesus is pretty clear what the call of the gospel is for any person of any, any time. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Mark 8.35 This is Emily. Emily's the one on your left, the tall one. Uh, this year, BCA launched uh, BCA on Track. Uh, it, 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 it's there to support uh, Christian uni graduates who go to live and work uh, in the country. Uh, some have never left the city. Uh, it, it, it's harder than and going to live in another country overseas sometimes. The culture and, 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 and the culture is, is, can, can be so full on. You've, you've left churches behind that you know. You've left family. You've left all sorts of securities. Emily, um, she's a physio, graduated. Uh, she was a senior student down at, at Adelaide Uni a few years back. She got offered a, a great job in the city. She also got offered uh, a job to be the community physio at Port Pirie. Didn't know nothing about Port Pirie. She chose Port Pirie because there were so few Christians there to tell the people of Port Pirie and surrounds about Jesus. This is what she said when I caught up with her a, a few months ago. I'm really glad I moved to Pirie, even though it has not always been easy. But I do not believe God put me on this earth to have everything be easy all the time. And she's finding it tough at times. There are things that are tough. Uh, things are going well. She's in a church where there's not many people her age. But this is her reflection. I know that God uses difficult things to refine me into the image of his son, Jesus. Any challenges that I have faced have helped me to depend on God more. Which has to be a good thing, doesn't it? The next part... uh, is, is just a reminder to keep calling on the name of the Lord. We heard how Abraham, what he did when he went through the land. How do we live the authentic life of faith while we await the return of Jesus and the fulfilment of God's promises? As BCA field staff, Ruth and Lee Walton, 
um, who could be well retired. Um, uh, Lee used to run the Prime Minister's office in Canberra, okay? He's a smart cookie. Ruth, she's also smart. They made the decision eight years out. They wanted to go up to, a pl- to Darwin, a needy place, uh, and to serve the Lord. They've been up there close on three years now. It's been tough, but they're loving it. And they said, oh, life's never been better. We are having the time of our life, literally. And boy, how God is using them as well. As Lee is fond of saying, it ain't over till it's over. (laughs) Verse 4, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Do we have anyone here older than 75? You're qualified to go somewhere, right? So uh, God's still preparing you guys for whatever's coming around the corner. But why did it take so long to prepare Abram before calling him? Well, God had been using everything in his life to prepare him to be useful. God's timing's always perfect. Now, of course, at the world, we, we, you know, the, the kids, the, with grandkids, I said, what, mum, you, you, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're daft, you're 70 years old and you're thinking of now? Going to live overseas or somewhere in the... What? You should be kicking back, enjoying all the fruit of your labours. But just like God has done with Ruth and Lee Walton, who has not been greatly used by God in their words, or, just like... God has obviously been doing with Dave and Margie Wood, preparing them for Cooper Pedy. They're leaving behind four kids and six grandkids. Dave says he can see it's been all about this moment and they're so excited. If you're an empty nester or retiree or about to be, why not you? Why not now? If you've stopped praying, why not me, Lord? I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you to get off the bench and to pray. Verse 5, we can be all in for a God who is all in for us. We can be all in for a God who is all in for us. I want you to notice verse 5. Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to, to the land of Canaan. Abram took all of his family, all of his possessions, all of the people that were with him and went. He was not planning to come back. He's all in. Like missionaries from times past who only ever bought a one-way ticket to Africa or wherever they were going, who took their own coffin with them, they went to make Christ known, not thinking they would return. That this is the life of faith Jesus calls us to is not only uncomfortable for us, I know, makes me squirm, make us squirm. But this is an anathema to our ears, let's be honest. What? No way, no way. What, Jesus, you want me to leave my kids, grandkids, good schools, health care, my career, everything I've worked hard for? You want me to go to another country or just another town in the... What? Glenn MacDonald, he's happy. Five kids living in a very large rural town, regional town in New South Wales, gets the call. Glenn, uh, it's uh, Mark Short here, former head of BCR. Just wondering, um, would you guys go to, go to uh, Roxby Downs? We need someone in Roxby Downs. He said, what? No, no, things are going well. I've got five kids. You're mad. And he hung up on him. 
A few weeks later, Mark rings back. Oh, Glenn, look, you've, you used to work in the mines with miners. You sort of, you know, would you at least think about it? No, 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 no. no. I'm not even going to talk to Beth about it. I hung up on him again. <laughs> a few weeks later, third time, Mark rings back. Look, look, please, will you, will you, just, will you just pray about it? And so, okay, prays about it. Uh, finds a bit of, out about the town. Realises there's no one there to teach and tell people about Jesus. Talks to Beth. And suddenly, six months later, they're moving with five kids to Roxby. This year, they've just sent Zach down to boarding school in Adelaide because they've fallen in love with the people. Uh, They don't want to leave. They're so convicted that if they leave, who's going to go there and tell people about Jesus? The the tailors, the gemmers. How does one live faithfully as if a stranger in a foreign country? Well, as the rest of chapter 12 um, uh, tells, we keep calling upon the name of the Lord, as Abram does. Uh, wherever he goes, he keeps calling on the name of the Lord who has gone before him, and we are to do the same. If you're not, it's not already your habit, morning and evening, to call on the name of the Lord, um, the one who's gone before you, in a stubborn act of grace and prepared a banquet of blessing in Jesus for you. The table is set only awaiting your arrival. Calling on the the name of the one who took all of your sin and shame upon himself, left heaven to come to the far country for you and for me, for our forgiveness and for life with him. How do we do that? Well, just like Abram, Hebrews 11.10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It's a permanent promise, a permanent promise. But as we finish, we finish with these beautiful, beautiful words. God is faithful even when we are faithless. In the rest of chapter 12, we're told that Abram's wife Sarah is beautiful. Not once but twice, Abram tries to preserve his own skin by passing Sarah off as his sister, which is half true. Abram takes things into his own hands to save himself. He's got a plan. Interesting to note, Genesis uh, doesn't record Abram praying and pouring out his fears to God until Genesis chapter 15, that's 10 years after God had called him. That's a long time, isn't it? Abram removes all protection from his wife, the one he should protect with his own life. His plan goes haywire. But what's beautiful is how Genesis 12 records God miraculously and faithfully intervenes to save all concerned and importantly preserve his promises by preserving the ones he'd made the promises to, Abram and his wife Sarah. It's just a reminder that as is said in chapter 15 of Genesis, Abram is declared right with God and to be the man of faith according to the New Testament, not because of things he'd done, he was perfectly faithful, no, no, he, he, he just t- showed time and time again how fickle his faith was, self-serving, self-protecting. No, no, it's because he looked to the one, to the God who is always faithful, a God who keeps his promises. Again, he came to learn what the Apostle Paul came to learn, 2 Timothy 3, 2.13. 
that if we are faithless, God remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his own children who he's called and saved. In The world says to us, to our kids, that this is all there is. So you better be anxious. You better get busy, busy, building your own place, trying to make a people for yourself, a family, trying to make a name for yourself, because this is all there is. You better be busy, busy if you want to be happy, because this is it, baby. It's the story of Babel, trying to build a life without God at the centre. But friends, the Bible says there's another way. It's the life that is lived in light of and shaped by God's irrevocable promises of grace fulfilled in Jesus for you. The invitation is to join your life and destiny to Jesus and you will inherit a home beyond compare. You will inherit a people beyond imagination and you will get to glory in a name that is more glorious and greater than you can ever imagine. And that name is Jesus. Jesus is God's yes to all his promises. And so live continually in light of the yeses that are here in Scripture. Say no to the world. Leave it behind to grab more firmly, more strongly to these beautiful, beautiful words of promise for you. Let me pray. Merciful Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the gift of your son Jesus, the seed of Abram, the promise you made so long ago for us. Here we sit as beneficiaries of your undeserved call of grace on our lives, only because you're merciful. For some inexplicable reason, you have decided to call us, to save us. We pray you would help us to respond in faith, stepping out courageously each day for your glory, to make Jesus known, knowing that we have a home waiting and kept for us, more beautiful beyond compare. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.